I wish I even had much to say about this, but unfortunately, it just is just another day in America here. Uh, Santa, Ca- Santa Clarita, California, uh, where a shooter killed two students today, multiple injured. Teenage gunman opened fire at a Southern California high school Thursday morning, killing two students and wounding three others before shooting himself in the head. The suspect, whom authorities described as an Asian male and who turned 16 Thursday, was in grave condition at a hospital, uh, Los Angeles County authorities said. The students who died were a 16-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy. All of the victims and the suspect attended Saugus High School in Santa Clarita. Three other students, two girls, 14 and 15, and a 14-year-old boy, were also shot in the school's quad before classes began. Uh, I don't really need to... Ne- read the rest because they're all pretty much the same um what i I don't even know like what do you what do we say to this it's not new i don't want to normalize it by not having a strong response but i really don't have a strong response because nothing's going to change um nothing and frankly uh as much as i i mean listen we take on the corporate democrats quite a bit uh this is a republican Republicans are to blame, uh, for the most part, for this gun massacre. Uh, the majority of the Democrats are on the right side of this. Um, well, to be fair, or my point of view is, I think that the Democrats are on the right side of it as long as PR is um, in play. So they're not, many of them are, don't get me wrong, but there are a heck of a lot of corporate Democrats out there who only say the right thing because it will, might help their poll numbers, whereas really they still are rubbing elbows with the NRA and and it, that ilk. But to tell you the truth, to me, uh, I blame more than anyone else, the media. Because in a sane country, where in many, many other countries, um, media is not so privatized, media is not run by six multi-billion dollar corporate, corporate conglomerates, even a school shooting where two teenagers were killed uh, and many other injuries would be a, literally the story of the year. Yeah. Uh, it would be a story that does not go away in a day, which this one will. It would be a story that journalists, because other countries, particularly Great Britain, have actual journalists who do their job for the most part, would be challenging politicians, what are you going to do about this? But in our... I, if you want to call it journalistic system, um, we basically have the Jake Tappers of the world who say, oh, today's tragedy, you know, they ask, they do a play-by-play of what happened, they ask Democrats, what are you going to do about it? But they don't really challenge the people actually holding up legislation, which majority is the Republican Party, in totally bought off by the Democrats. And to me... You know, it's, it's like what we have done for years with Flint. Flint happened nearly six years ago. We have not stopped investigating it and spotlighting it because you don't normalize American citizens being poisoned by their own government and then left to die. Well, if that's the case, why would journalists normalize this? Why, would, why, do, normal, why do journalists normalize what's not normal? Because, again, look... CNN already talking about experts. Russian spies may have intercepted Trump's call. 
I want to be clear. I'm not saying what Trump did is not corrupt. It is. But can the news, you know, CNN's got some resources. The New York Times has some resources. I think they could cover more things at once. And the fact that there is not going to be any follow-up coverage, the fact that Marco Rubio will not be challenged, Ted Cruz will not be challenged, Louis Gohmert will not be challenged, um, Mitch McConnell will not be challenged, Mitt Romney will not be challenged. Cross the spectrum of the Republican Party, they will not be challenged. Says it all. We were actually, we had CNN on, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're shocked that they were actually covering the, the school shootings in real time. Anderson Cooper was on, and at one point Jordan said, you know, I can't believe, uh, or this is going to probably help Trump. And I was so caught up in watching the, the footage. I was like, well, what do you mean? Why? And it's like, that, the impeachment hearings. It's like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Literally, to have CNN pull away from the impeachment hearings, I guess, was kind of a miracle. But here they are, already you know I, I think back. I, I think I corrected myself because I don't know if there was hearings. Tonight. Oh, during that time. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I gave them too much credit just now. Yeah. If, if, if there were hearings, <laughs> you probably would have had a split a screen. Split screen. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So maybe that didn't even happen. But the bottom line is, folks, straight up, uh, and we're going to talk about Bernie versus Warren a little bit. You need a revolution to stop this. Even even a you know somewhat more left person like Elizabeth Warren, she might become president. She might push for an assault weapons ban. She might not. But I don't think Elizabeth Warren is going to be fighting the NRA uh, as her top priority. Um, and I think Bernie Sanders, with the youth behind him, uh, which we've already seen these um, Parkland students galvanize, uh, you know, that mega uh, rally they had. Um, what was that called? I forget. Where everybody oh. got together in D.C., hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, it was at Trump up a loser or some, something. Who knows? Right. <laughs> so um, the bottom line is this isn't going to stop. And I always say, and you know this more than me as a mother, we're all targets. I mean, today could be all of our last day in this country. It's not just schools. It's malls. It's movie theaters. It's Walmarts. It's post offices. It's it's all over the place, and I assume for you it's got to be really difficult not knowing. Yeah, I mean, there was, I've told this story before, but on, um, in 2012 when Sandy Hook happened, they, you know, the news was breaking, they were talking about this was an elementary school, they started talking about the injuries and stuff like that. I freaked out because my son was in first grade at that time. and that was the ages they were starting to say was targeted. And so I started to freak out and I started to make plans in my head. I'm going to go pick my son up right now. Then I found out I could not pick up my son because there was a lockdown. Um, we're nowhere near Sandy Hook or anything. Some asshole had called in a threat to my son's school right after the news broke of, of Sandy Hook just to cause trouble or, or whatever. So here I am freaking out and I, I literally cannot go hug my son. And that's something I started crying today uh, because there was a mother on CNN who was being interviewed. And right at that moment when she, she was being interviewed, her son called her and because they hadn't been reunited yet. Her, so her son called her. And so right there live, she's talking to her son and she's like, uh, he's saying, um, you know, they, they were at the church, which apparently was walking distance. 
but they're gonna take us by bus somewhere else. And she's like, no, no, what do you mean? No, just stay there, I'm right here, I'm going to walk to you. And just hearing that franticness in her voice, she said, stay there, I need to hug you right now. And I just started crying because that feeling, um, as a mother, it's indescribable what that is. And so I just really sympathized with her, just putting myself in her shoes and um, just thinking about all the parents that day, all the family members, but also thinking about the students themselves, hearing them describe what it was like to hide in closets, to see the fear on their friends' faces. I remember one of the students they interviewed on CNN said, I will never forget the look on people's faces as they were running by. And then she stopped and she was kind of like, wait, I guess I had that look on my face too. It's just all you're thinking about is running away as fast as you can. Um, I, I mean, there's not, like Jordan said, this isn't going to be in the news tomorrow probably they might do a, a couple follow-ups here and there and this is terrible to say but the body count isn't high enough for them to stay on this any longer which thank god it isn't but we uh we need we need something to happen and if something didn't happen after columbine and then many many years later if something didn't happen after sandy hook with dead bodies of six-year-olds, what's it going to take? I think it's on you guys. It's on, it's on us. I mean, got a lot of things to protest for right now. You know, you got Green New Deal. You got Fight for 15. Um, obviously, um, income inequality, uh, working conditions. But none of that, well, climate change, yes. But, you know, at least we have, at least... 10 to 12 years between before planetary destruction that is irreversible. As far as the guns, you could have an hour. You could literally walk outside after this live stream or if you're en route right now listening on your phone and get shot somewhere. It, it's, I'm not fear-mongering, but that's the truth. I mean, last year near where I live in, in Annapolis, they had the Annapolis Gazette shooting. They had, mm -hmm. you know, it's literally just everywhere. It could happen to anyone. Yep. And it's a sickness that only this country has. Yep. <laughs> and there are very clear ways to stop it. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, if there's any developments, we'll cover it. Bernie Sanders, you know, everyone thinks we're Bernie bros and gals here, but we got to keep it real. You haven't even seen this clip, so you might, no. dis you might disagree with me. But I just think, Bernie, for God's sakes, enough with the niceties. You are in a street fight for the presidency of the United Corporations of America. And now you have Michael Bloomberg dropping in. Now you have this blowhard, Deval Patrick, jumping oh, in. Man. Don't tell me these people are not jumping in to ensure that there's so many candidates that Bernie Sanders is defeated. So I want to play a clip. Uh, Bernie was with Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez in Iowa. Uh, and I, I, I got to say, I just don't think he's got the right answer when asked what's the difference between him and Elizabeth Warren. Let's take a look. But do you think voters deserve to know the difference between two candidates in this race that are aligned on a progressive agenda? What would you tell the voter that wants to know what is the difference between you and Senator Elizabeth Warren? Well, I think Warren? all I can say, again, Elizabeth Warren is a friend of mine. Uh, and we are, I am running hard 
to explain to the people of Iowa and America what I stand for. People will make their own differences. I believe, among other things, uh, that my record goes way, way back. These are not new ideas to me. If you check the 2006... Are you suggesting that her record... No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, you see, this is what media tries to I'm do in all due respect. That's what I'm clarifying. No, I'm that's not. what I want to clarify. Elizabeth Warren is a friend of mine. She's a co-senator. We work together on many issues. The American people will make that decision as to who they think is the best candidate. I happen to think uh, that for a variety of reasons, uh, we are the strongest candidate to defeat Trump. Your thoughts on okay. Bernie Sanders, I guess you could say, differentiating himself between he, he and Elizabeth Warren? My thing is Bernie. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> dearest, Bernie. Dear, dearest Bernard. My thing is, it is wonderful that he is friends with, with Elizabeth Warren, that he has known her for a long time, that they do share some similar, similar progressive ideals and ideologies. That's great. That's fantastic. I hope that, you know, I know as senators, they've been able to work together a lot and, and make, do a lot of good things. But Bernie, you are in this race to win not because you think you're better than everyone, not because you, you think, not because you're a mean guy who just wants to beat everybody else. Bernie, I think, is in this race because he believes he's the one, he's the one candidate with the right policies, the right progressive policies to create real change in this country. And that's why he's running. He's not running so he can hold hands with all the other senators and sing kumbaya and like sit in a prayer circle. He's running because he believes so strongly in things like Medicare for all, free college, free preschool education and uh, pre-K and just everything that, that makes Bernie Bernie fighting against climate change just absolutely you know every 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 uh plan that warren has for example bernie takes it that much further well jennifer elizabeth is a good <laughs> friend of mine so bernie to that i say you can be friends with whoever you want you can be friends with absolutely anybody you want but it is about the policies and if bernie really wants to have these policies enacted if he really wants his supporters to rally around him even more fully, then he needs to go on the attack against policies, not against Elizabeth Warren. It's not about attacking Elizabeth Warren. It is about attacking policies where they fall short of what he thinks can truly transform this country and benefit the people of this country. I agree. But I actually think, you know, I'm seeing some comments here. Jordan, it's not time to go on the attack I'm not saying attack her. What I'm saying is this hoity-toity, Elizabeth and I are friends, uh, you know, I'm, people are gonna have to make up their mind. No, no, it's your job to make up their mind, Bernie. It is your job as a candidate, not just to talk about your policies, but to talk about why you, you, not just your policies, but you, what your philosophy of change is superior to even your friends, Elizabeth Warren. It is up to you to explain why you are uniquely qualified to beat Trump. And in that answer, which he's been giving a variety of that answer for a long time, it basically, if, if, 
if I'm a voter, right, and I like Bernie, but I also like Warren, and I'm just not made up yet. Well, what Bernie's saying is, well, no, I understand why people like her, but I'm just going to talk about me. That's not telling me as a voter, if I'm on the fence, if, if it's either going to be Bernie or Warren, that's not telling me why you're better than her and I should vote for you. That's telling me, well, we're friends and, and I, I'm, you know, this, I'll leave it to the voter to decide. And when you say to the voter, I'll leave it to you to decide without, without trying to influence, without trying to influence their, their decision-making, well, a lot of them are going to end up deciding, you know what, she's a little younger, or, oh, you know, we just think she's really smart, and thorough plans or whatever, and we love Bernie, but we just think it's time she to pass. She has a vagina. We just think it's time, you said it, you think it's time <laughs> to pass the torch. And to me, he doesn't have to attack her, but why can't, why can't Bernie, why can't you just say, Senator Warren is a, is a great friend of mine. We agree on a lot of issues, but I believe, you know, her uh, concept of change uh, is very focused on uh, tighter regulation in the economy and, um, you know, economic uh, regulations and, you know, reforms, regulatory reform and things like that. Of course, uh, all of that is true, but, you know, the structural issues, will, we cannot regulate our way out of the rot of the system. Uh, and uh, as much as I, uh, we agree on a lot of issues, and I think she's a terrific senator, uh, we need to go much further than uh, tightening regulation. We need to get money out of politics. We need to not take money from special interests. We need to, we need to invest significantly more to save this planet, and my plan goes further than Senator Warren's plan. That's not attacking her no of course not and actually something you said is interesting to me because i i noticed that i had or i just realized you think that he has to differentiate himself not just on policy but also that he is the candidate who can do it and i was just realizing to myself i've never thought of it that way because bernie is someone who does not like to talk about himself he i mean it took him forever to talk about the fact that he lost family in the holocaust and um he just I don't think I mean I, I I obviously think you have to have quite a bit of an ego to run for president in the first place but I think he's different in the way that he it might be really really hard for him to say why he is the the best one he's he's okay with saying why his policies are the best in this and that um he has a hard time attacking Elizabeth Warren's policies well, but saying he is best I'm I sorry. wonder if that's hard for him well it shouldn't be Bernie, let me give you a little wake up. <laughs> if, if you're watching Bernie, uh, artificial morphosin, $2 in the super chat. Naomi Clone just endorsed Bernie. This is huge. Believe she did that two days ago, but yes, very big endorsement yeah. for Bernie. Thank you for the super chat. Bernie, if you're watching, or any of your people are watching, with all due respect, Bernie, if Elizabeth Warren is your friend, you, got, you need better friends, okay? Because your friend left you out to dry yes. in 2016. Doesn't make her Lucifer, doesn't make her a terrible person. But I know if Jen, who's one of my best friends, if I was, I don't know, running for something and she just was like, hey, I'm sitting this one out, I'd be pretty ticked off. So if, <laughs> if that is your friend, fine. But she has already shown you as your friend, Bernie, that loyalty is not a thing uh, in your friendship. So I'm saying 
it's two it's less than two months before the Iowa caucus. Do you want to do you want to point out the differences on the day of? I think that voters respond not just to policies but to a fighter, and it is not. Let me repeat, it is not. It is not attacking Elizabeth Warren by saying she's a very good friend of mine. I think she's a terrific senator, but her uh, her philosophy on uh, what on change is very focused on reg- regulatory re- reform. That is, of course, important, but we cannot regulate our way out of corruption. We need to create a movement of people to get money out of politics because regulation is just one piece of it. And you can have a plan for a lot of things, but you can't have a plan to end legalized bribery. You need a movement behind that plan. And I think that is a diplomatic way of saying, listen, I like her. She's a great senator, but she's not going as far as I am. And we need someone going as far as I am. And I think that is a way that that framing is not turning off supporters of Elizabeth Warren. I do not think that framing is, is um, I mean, they'll try, but I don't think it could be viewed as sexist. I don't think... Oh, they said Bernie, like, going like this was sexist. Right. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I think it's basically saying, this is someone I respect. We just have a difference of opinions on the most important thing. He's not talking, I am, but he's not saying, well, she's going around having hot tea with the leaders of the Democratic establishment. It's not saying, well, she voted for two of Trump's ridiculously bloated military budgets. It's none of that. It's pointing out she is fo- she, her plan is very focused on regu- uh, tighter regulations on Wall Street, um, you know, adjustments here and there. My plan is we need to get money out of politics, and I am going to be organizer-in-chief. You can't you, can, you cannot negotiate with a corrupt system. You have to overthrow that system. To me, if I'm on the fence between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, that's definitely something that's going to make me more attracted to Bernie. Because Elizabeth Warren, what is she going to say when asked, what makes you better than Bernie Sanders? She can't, I mean, I, I'm, maybe she'll have an answer, but I don't think it's going to be as appealing as what, what I just said. So free campaign advice, uh, Bernie. Yeah. I think you need to have a better answer than, well, she's a friend of mine and I'll let the voters decide. Yeah, Because let good. me tell you something. If you keep doing that, Bernie, the corporate media is going to decide for you. They already are. They are elevating Elizabeth Warren like she is, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, she's gotten a couple more arrows swung at her uh, the last few weeks. Might, might be uh, the reason she has gone down a little bit in the polls, but... They're still covering her quite a bit, and it's nowhere near as critical as you. Uh, so to me, yeah, bottom line, Bernie Sanders is 78 years old. I hope, God willing, if he lives till 98 years old, I hope he's not sitting in a porch somewhere say, saying to himself, and Jane, you know what? <laughs> I was too nice. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know when this... I don't know when this clip is from. Uh, a friend, uh, an independent journalist, Walker Bragman, fa- found it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's recent, but I don't know what year it's from. Um, Walker finds all kinds of yeah, good stuff. I don't, I don't know when this is from, but it really doesn't matter when it's from. I think it speaks volumes. Let's take a look. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was asked about cutting the military budget. Uh, yeah, this goes even beyond twisting yourself into a human pretzel. This is really something. 
Here we go. Uh, Sam Husseini with The Nation and the Institute for Public Accuracy. Uh, Cortez, who was mentioned earlier, and other likely incoming congressional, uh, right, likely incoming uh, congressional um, members next year, proposed slashing the military budget to help pay for human and environmental needs. Uh, do you agree? And if I could, a second question: um, Would you consider introducing and sponsoring Betty McCollum's bill on? Uh, Palestinian children's rights in the Senate. So let me, I now sit on armed services. And boy, I have been in the middle of the sausage making factory on that one. Um, and that has pushed me even more strongly in the direction of systemic reforms. I want to be able to have those debates. I want to be able to get them out in the open and talk about these core issues that affect our government, affect our people. I want to be able to debate them on the floor of the Senate. I want to be able to do amendments on them. Right now, the hold of big money over our government stops much of that. It chokes off much of the debate we should have. So I'm going to give you a system-wide answer because I think that's what matters here. This is not about one particular proposal. This is all the way across. How is it that we get the voices of the people heard in government instead of over and over the voices of the wealthy and the well-connected, the voices of those who can hire armies of lobbyists? So for me, that's what this is about. Well, well, well. Again, in fairness, I don't know when that was. Uh, I don't know, it sounds like it was like a year or two ago. Um, so, Jen, do you believe in cutting the military budget? Well, I think it should be uh, debated on the floor. Oh, yikes. Just yikes. When Elizabeth Warren says this isn't about one proposal, actually it is. Because it's about not, it's not about a specific piece of legislation. It's about, do you think our military budget is too big? Do you think we should cut it? Her answer was, I believe in debate. I think we should debate it. I think our system is so corrupt. We should be able to debate that. Okay, but, okay, so if it was going to be debated, what would your side of the debate be? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that person had an opportunity to follow up. Probably not. It was at the National Press Club, which is a one hell of a jerk, uh, circle jerk kind of institution. But, yeah, the simple answer that I've heard from Bernie Sanders is, Absolutely, it should be cut. And to me, uh, you know, everybody has their most important issue. To me, uh, Elizabeth Warren, there's concerning things beyond just her obvious. Um, she, she basically is the same, uh, same old, same old when it comes to foreign policy. But this kind of goes to her Medicare for all Fakakta plan, which her Medicare for all plan, it basically has a bunch of, you know, pie in the sky, if you want to use that terminology. And she says, well, part of her pay-fors, which I don't even believe in, we have the money, we don't need to find money to pay for it. But if you want to, if you want to deal in how do we pay for it, part of her pay-fors are going to be cutting the military budget. Well, this is within the last few years, she won't give a straight answer on cutting the military budget. And on, during the debate, she just like meekly gave some vague answer, well, I think we need to start getting out of the Middle East. Am, am I 
wrong? No, you're absolutely correct. I One of the things that drives me the most insane about her is this issue. If there's any question that should be super easy to answer, it's should we cut the military budget? Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's not even a, like a super progressive stance, or at least it shouldn't be. That should just be the answer. So to kind of... Um, equivocate if that's the right term on that question is just kind of insane to me she she's playing politics yet again it seems like her default instead of truly being progressive or truly giving the answer that would benefit americans and the rest of the entire world she just plays politics right and honestly more importantly than that the playing politics if you for example are somebody, I know a lot of you aren't watching, but if you are someone who likes Elizabeth Warren and is considering voting for her, why why doesn't anyone ask her, you have a lot of proposals that cost a lot of money. How are you going to get these proposals through if the military budget is $750 billion? Do you vow right now in this interview to cut the military budget at least by a quarter? I think it should be cut by 70%, but Let's crawl before we can walk. <laughs> Do you as a candidate pledge to cut the military budget by, let's say, $150,000? She will not answer, I promise you. Because I, if I got in front of her, that's one of the things I would ask. She won't answer it because she's trying to appease a little bit of everyone and not to fund anyone. And that is the problem. That is the problem. And I think... I mean, how Hillary-esque, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> and also... When your military budget is more than your not your domestic spending budget, so when your military budget is in total more than all the other programs you have in, in the country, you're not going to you're not going to be able to get a lot of those things through. That's what Bernie Sanders understands. Now, Elizabeth Warren won't give a straight answer on Medicare for all. When she ended up giving a straight answer, it was a Fakakta plan that who I trust on Medicare is essentially an, empl an employer head tax. This is from Matt Brunig, read it. Elizabeth Warren's head tax is indefensible. And it would also end, it would also result, her Medicare for All plan, in corporations laying off workers or moving workers from full-time to freelance without benefits because if Elizabeth Warren's plan went through, it would charge employers $9,500 per employee. So what are employers gonna do? They're just gonna start moving people to freelance. So. All right, people have health care, but they won't have enough hours to pay their rent. So you basically, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in, in that situation. You can't end a live stream these days without Debbie Wasserman Schultz and her utter, utter, disgusting corruption. And it seems like Debbie Wasserman Schultz is now calling the police. Say it like Bernie says it. Debbie Wasserman <laughs> Schultz is now calling the police on one of the most heroic anti-war protesters in this country. Here is the clip from a press conference yesterday. You take a look and we'll talk about it after. Yeah. Debbie Wasserman Schultz has been trying to speak. Our folks 
living in freedom. Interrupting. 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 So there was a press conference or wherever where Debbie Wasserman Schultz was speaking out on behalf of the new Bolivian leader who, as in Venezuela, is a totally undemocratic, uh, unelected. It is a total coup uh, in Bolivia. And you have this right-wing woman who has now declared herself president against Bolivia's constitution. So, of course, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is praising that person. Um, Listen, I pretty... There's a lot of things I know, uh, don't know in life. Pretty confident in the 15 to 20 years Medea Benjamin has been protesting. Uh, she's not laid her hand on an elected official. So I have a very hard time. I don't see any evidence in that video because there's no way of even seeing that Medea Benjamin was hanging on or touching Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Um, from what Medea Benjamin of Code Pink was saying, it seems like somebody was touching her and maybe by somebody uh, choking her or whatever was happening, we, could, we can't see. Maybe because of that movement, she might have bumped in to Debbie Wasserman Schultz. But again, how could Debbie Wasserman Schultz even have seen what, who was behind her? She was looking forward and immediately she just assumed it was Medea Benjamin. She's saying, call the Capitol Police. This is like police officers, de- you know, not de-escalating. How do you know who it is? It could just be somebody who tripped and blah, 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 blah. So, okay, of course, I don't like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, but I wouldn't condone violence. No. But there's, do you see anything in there that makes it evident? There's that- no, there's no evidence. And, and as you said, Debbie's literally just looking forward. She can't see what's happening. And also, I don't know if you guys have seen Medea in person, but she is the tiniest, like most compact, <laughs> also like very fierce in her protesting and total badass in her actions. But she is tiny and compact. <laughs> like she's not physically assaulting Congresswomen. <laughs> and uh, this is another picture where, I guess, to start, on the other side of Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So I don't know how she ended up over there. Oh, you can't see it there. But, you know, you clearly see she's next to her with the sign, no cops, Bolivia, Venezuela, no coups, excuse. But, of course, after that, after this police, peaceful protest, five police cars rolled up to her house threatening to arrest her for assaulting Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Police state. It is... Putting aside Debbie Wasserman Schultz's just pattern of ridiculousness and corruption, you don't, there is no evidence you were assaulted by little old Medea Benjamin. <laughs> I'm sure Debbie Wasserman Schultz knows who Medea Benjamin is mm-hmm. because most 
politicians know who Code Pink and Medea Benjamin is. Yep. And I am sure if Debbie Wasserman Schultz was being tugged at or whatever, if she saw in the corner of her eye Medea Benjamin somewhere, immediately was mm-hmm. looking for a reason. Call the police yep. on Medea Benjamin. So unless there are eyewitnesses there, and granted, I haven't followed it since, but unless there were eyewitnesses there that are not Bolivian officials... Or, you know, part of the deep state, I don't want to hear it. And there should be no actions taken against uh, Medea Benjamin, who, frankly, is a smart woman. She, yes. she, she's not going to touch or assault an elected official. Because, obviously, you're going to have very... I think that's a serious felony yeah. uh, for doing that. Of course. So... Yeah, all I have to say is uh, I don't know if there are charges against her, uh, but if there are, they need to be dropped. This is clearly an attempt to silence Code Pink and Medea Benjamin, who has done great, great uh, work protesting the illegal uh, attempts at a coup in Venezuela. The You covered it at the embassy in D.C. Uh, mm-hmm. You saw uh, her and Code Pink yeah. fighting, fighting the good fight there. Yeah, Medea was, was all was there very, very frequently. I covered it for about three days. She was there for probably, I don't remember how long it lasted, but week, like a, at least a week, probably more. Um, no, I think we said 30 days. Anyway, don't quote me on the time frame. but Medea and Code Pink were there. They were present every step of the way. They did things like delivering food to the people who were inside the embassy protecting it. So they called themselves embassy protectors inside. So Medea- Which is apparently illegal these days. Yeah, apparently. Um, so they would deliver food and sustenance to the people inside. And actually, uh, one of her Code Pink, um, one of the other Code Pink heads, Ariel, she was arrested because at some point the cops stopped allowing people to give food to the, to the embassy protectors inside. So because that's insane <laughs> and people need food to live and they were there uh, by decree of the Venezuelan government, the embassy protectors were allowed to be inside pre-coup. Um, Ariel threw a bread, like French bread or some kind of bread through the window that was open in the embassy and she was arrested and taken to jail for, and her arrest sheet said for throwing or for launching missiles. She tossed bread to someone. <laughs> like, so they are, I mean, it's, it's the military industrial complex. It's, you know, it's pro-coup uh, pro, pro coup people all over the place there in D.C. Breadgate. Breadgate. <laughs> and uh, now we have what, what we call the Debbie Wasserman Schultz gate. 